So wherever she is, happy birthday to her. And then Sister Glory over here, she turned 18 today. Uh, maybe that's a little aggressive. Is it 20, more like 28 or something? Anyway, it's her birthday today. Yeah, come on. Happy birthday, Miss Gloria. Glory to God. We love you so much. Appreciate you. Anybody else having a birthday? Don't want to forget? Don't want to forget? Okay. Tomorrow doesn't count. All right. So, <laughs> amen. Well, let's do this tonight. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry. It's just me. I listen to so much Dr. Jacobs that uh, my hallelujah starts to sound like him. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, for those of you that maybe uh, are visiting us tonight or not regular Wednesday nighters, we want you to become regular Wednesday nighters. But uh, we've been focusing at the Lord's direction on the subject of prayer. And uh, we're going to continue with the Lord's help on that subject tonight. As Brother Hagen said, wonderful man of God, tremendous influence in my life. Uh, still today, said that there is no greater skill that a person could and needs to learn in life than, to, than how to pray effectively. Amen. I mean, you could have no education, but if you learn how to get a hold of God and pray effectively, <laughs> you overcome your lack of education. Amen. You learn how to pray, amen, and uh, hear from God and be led by the Spirit. It, it doesn't matter how unfavored you are, how many people are against you. Come on. Praise God. How difficult the time frame you find yourself living in. You're led by the Spirit. We know from Psalm 23, He's going to lead you beside still waters. He's going to make you lie down in green pastures. Amen. You ever find yourself in a dark place? He's there with you. Amen. And goodness and mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life. Come on, I'm not sure we believe it, but I believe we're getting it. There is no greater skill. No more important skill than you and I could learn than to be effective spiritually in our communion with God, our prayer life with God. I hope you're interested. Amen. And I am so thankful for uh, the folks that I have seen since we received that message from God. We, we pray twice a month, try to, at three, of, 3 to 4 o'clock. And about three or four times ago, uh, we had a spiritual gift come into manifestation called tongues and interpretation. And I think it was Sister Joy, our youth leader, that spoke out a message in other tongues, and I interpreted it. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the substance of what God was saying to us was that we were to bring prayer to the forefront in this church, to bring it to the forefront. And that I, he gave me an assignment to get it into you, the people, mm -hmm. that prayer has to be a higher uh, commitment, we have to do more of it, and that we need to prize it as one of our highest values here at the church is our prayer life. It's that important to God. Amen. And it's that important to the plan of God for us as a church to be able to accomplish. Amen? You know, the plan of God runs on fuel. Amen? And that fuel is your prayer life. Amen. You pray a little bit, that's why little bit happens in God's plan for your life. But if you'll learn to pray and pray effectively and pray a lot, pray as much as you can, amen, then you'll find God uh, seemingly accelerating the plan of God. Things will unfold faster in your life the more you pray in the Spirit. To give you a quick example, Pastor Nancy talks about how, you know, just a few weeks before she met Dr. Dufresne, 
uh, who was God's assignment for her in life and ministry. And, uh, you know, God was endeavoring to put that together. Well, just a few weeks prior to them meeting, she was engaged to the wrong person. And it was an abusive relationship. Well, she got out of that and she spent two solid weeks locked up in her apartment praying in other tongues, praying the plan of God for her life. That's a lot. That's a con- You know, she said eight hours a day minimum. She would worship God and she would pray in other tongues, wanting to know what God's plan was for her life. And things sure began to accelerate, see. Uh, and things began to unfold very rapidly. So within a, just a few week time frame, she got out of the wrong relationship. She had no idea what God wanted her to do. She's met God's appoint, you know, amen. And then everything that's come after, hallelujah, came as a result of those intense hours and days of praying uh, in the Holy Ghost. Amen. You could take this temperature up just one degree. Amen. Uh, praise God. And uh, so, amen, are we interested in praying? But anyway, what I was going to say is, since that time endeavoring to preach on prayer, to, to do what I can to educate, to inform, to teach, to inspire on this subject, some of you are making changes. Some of you are, you've shown up to prayer opportunities that you hadn't showed up to. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Amen. But we've got more to go. Praise God. And so tonight, what I have on my heart to share with you is, uh, a message I'm going to call prayers that plunder. Okay. Amen. You know, we're supposed to be spoilers of the kingdom of darkness. Amen. We're supposed to plunder the enemy's goods yeah. instead of him plundering our goods. Right. Instead of our lives being stolen from all the time and Christians being defeated all the time and robbed all the time. You know, we're the ones that have been given a victorious position. We're the ones that have been redeemed and elevated and seated with Christ in heavenly places. And we are the ones that have been given the name of Jesus to use. We are the one that have an audience anytime we want it with the God of the universe. Amen. Jesus said, behold, I I beheld Satan when he fell. He fell like lightning. And I tell you that uh, I have given you authority or power over all of the ability of the enemy so that nothing will by any means hurt you. Come on, so we are the ones uh, that have the upper hand over the forces of darkness, over the kingdom of darkness. I I don't care how high up you go on the chain all the way to Lucifer himself. If you find Lucifer in your bedroom tonight in visible manifest form, you ought to just laugh and know you have got complete and absolute authority over him. Amen. 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 Praise God. Instead of, you know, freaking out, you know, the devil came into my room. Well, get him out. Get him out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, for some years, you know, you learn things. This is the only church I've ever pastored. And and, uh, we're coming up on a 20-year anniversary. I'm going to have a good time with that. But, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that I have been asked to do at times is uh, come to people's homes to bless it. And, or to pray over it, and or to get a devil out of it. And uh, I, I, most of the time, I'm just pleased to, pleased to do it. But at times, there's been this inner scratching in me. This is not something I need to be spending my time doing. Because I, as a pastor, I don't have any extra oomph in me to get a devil out of your house, or your apartment, or your car, or your closet, or wherever you got one hid. Amen. <laughs> Then you do. The name of Jesus in your mouth. Come on. It's just as powerful as the name of Jesus in my mouth. Amen. 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 
glory to God. Now, I understand, you know, you, maybe God blesses you with something new and, and you want me to... I, I, there's been times where I've been happy and, and pleased to do that. Don't get me wrong. But amen, especially if it's on the negative side. Listen, you just take care of it. Amen. Praise God. I don't care if Lucifer shows up and he brings all his generals with him. It don't matter. One drop of the blood of Jesus. Just mention the blood and he's going to take off. But see, these are things that, uh, that I didn't know for years as a Christian. You know, uh, you know, the devil loves for people not even to really realize that the devil's a real being. No, it's sad, you know, when they survey Christians, a lot of Christians, a high percentage don't even believe in the existence of the devil. Right? That's wild to me. What Bible are they reading? Amen. And then the other, you know, there's another great percentage, you know, Christians walking around, they believe in the devil and they're scared of him. They think at any time they could, the devil could just put cancer on them or kill them or rob them, steal from them. And when you really read your Bible, read your New Testament, you find out he can't. He can't do anything to hurt your life unless you permit it. Now, how do you permit it? Well, by not living right. By not talking right, not believing right, not acting right, not obeying God, not following His plan. There's lots of things. That's not my teaching. Amen. But our prayer life should be conducted from a place of superiority and victory. We should never uh, pray and spend time with God with a mindset of struggle. Right? Right? You know, the de- Jesus already did the heavy lifting, lifting. He already defeated the devil. He already defanged the lion of the enemy. He's just gumming at you. He's got a scary, he's got a scary, you know, his dentures fell out. Now, he's got a scary roar. The Holy Ghost on Peter said that the devil does walk about like a, not a biting, a roaring lion. And he's got a scary roar. But if you really look, he doesn't even have any teeth in there. Not as it relates to you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. But you have to know your place and you need to conduct your prayer life to maintain the mindset that when I pray and when I engage the spirit realm, I'm doing so from a seated place, a victorious place, a, a, a new created place that God gave me when Jesus became my Lord. Not a place of struggle. You should not come into the throne room begging. Right? You need to come in honorably. God is an awesome God. He is to be feared and greatly respected. But you belong at the feet of God. You belong at the throne. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are welcome in the Father's presence. And you just position yourself right in front of the four living creatures, right in front of the very throne of God. Let that rainbow shine. Let the thunders and the lightnings be right behind you. And you can point at the devil and say, no, you don't. You get your hands off my finances. You get your hands out. You get your sickness out of my children. See, you conduct your place. You conduct yourself in prayer from this place. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we have a part, part of the plan of God for our prayer life is to plunder the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. James chapter 5, uh, verse number 16. No, 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 that's not where I want to be. Much earlier in the chapter, I'm sorry. Verse number 7, James 5, 7. 
It says, be patient, therefore. Well, we love that word, don't we? (laughs) Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth. Now, in John 15, Jesus tells us that the father is the husbandman. He's the vine, but the husbandman, the keeper of the vine, is the father. Amen? So this is who he's referring to. The husbandman, the father, the heavenly father, waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it. Now, listen, you just got to know the most patient person you know on planet earth doesn't compare to God. I know because of how, what I put him through. Amen. Before I got some sense. But God is a patient God. You know, God started prophesying the day Adam fell in the garden. And he started prophesying Satan's defeat and the restoration of God's family. And then he just slowly, methodically, patiently, over 4,000 years, he laid the groundwork and unfolded his plan of redemption. See, God's not in a hurry. The Bible says that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. One day. Think about your day today. Maybe a full day, right? Amen. A thousand years is <laughs> like a day on, on God time. Hallelujah. So how long is he willing to wait? Longer than you want him to. Longer than I want him to. Amen. Praise God. So he is a patient God. And what is he being patient waiting for? The precious fruit of the earth. What is that? What is he referring to? The, the, the redeemed, his family. Amen. Uh, it, it means the full harvest of the saved becoming saved. The unsaved getting saved. However many that God is waiting on for that to be a full family. Or a full number. We, nobody knows what that is. Amen. But we know because we're still here that he is still waiting. How come God has not come? How come Jesus has not come for us yet? How come the trump has not blown yet? Because our Father is waiting for us to plunder the kingdom of darkness and get his family out of Satan's dominion and over into the kingdom of God. Amen. So if you're under my voice today, you know, God loves you. And if you're not saved, would you please get saved? You might be the last one God's waiting on. We can get out of here. Right? Heaven is better than here. Amen. And so we know this is what he's waiting on. Let me read this again. The husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth. uh, And he has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws near, one translation says, is very close at hand. Amen? So we know that God is waiting on the final harvest. Now, do you know what he means by the early rain and the latter rain? Now, if you lived in Palestine, none of you do, right? We're all here. And uh, in that day, we, we know that, and it's, it's probably true, Brother Jerry, our farmers could tell us, uh, those who farm could tell us this, but uh, a lot of times the, the farmer will plant in 
in a time of seasonal rain. Because when you prepare the soil, you want that early, you want to get the seed in a prepared soil, and you want rain right then. Not too much, not too little, but you want rain to fall on that so that that seed will germinate, take root, and begin to grow. Amen. And so that's what's referenced as the early rain. Just agriculturally, that's what he's talking about. But then right before harvest, they, uh, the way the, the cycle works is that God would bless uh, the land with a, a rain season, a, a period of rain, right before harvest so that those plants are the healthiest and they maximize their yield. Mm-hmm. That they don't come to harvest starved for water. So an ideal crop, you want an early rain. Sure, you need some rain in between, but an early rain and a latter rain to maximize the crop, the harvest. Well, God is spiritualizing this language. The early rain is what you see beginning on the day of Pentecost. We know this because Peter stood up and they asked him, what is this? What is this? And he said, this is that. This is that that Joel talked about. And Joel talked about the outpouring of an early rain and a latter rain. So God poured out His Spirit. Why? Because a new seed had been planted. Jesus is the seed. He is the firstborn among many brethren, first fruits, right? And so Jesus died, He was buried, He was raised from the dead, and He is the seed that's produced every redeemed person. Praise God. Amen. And so the church is that little planting. And so as the church was born, he poured out rain on that new seed so that it could get a good start. The church could be born under a good start. And so everything you see in those early years, amen, that God did, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the evangelism. Now, that should just continue right on. Unfortunately, it didn't. But that extra, all those extra miracles in that season, God poured out His Spirit like rain in that early season so the church would get a good start. But now we're at the end. We're at the end. If you did listen to that video, or if you, you know, you will, one of the things you learn about the, the prophetic calendar, the prophetic picture that God gave us in the seven Jewish feasts, amen, is that there's four spring feasts, Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Pentecost. And, and all of those had their fulfillment in the birth, or excuse me, the death, the burial, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on Pentecost. And they all happened on the day. They all happen on those, on those prophetic days. Amen. Amen. But then those feasts stopped. There's seven of them, but they don't, it didn't go. You had this break. You had summer break. The last three feasts, which is trumpets and atonement and tabernacles, happen in the fall when you harvest. Well, what is this summer gap? That's the age of the church, everybody. That's the church. That's growing season. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And soon and very soon... Soon and very soon, we're going to hit fall. And the Feast of the Trumpets, and then that's going to trigger atonement, and then God's going to come back. Amen? Anyway, glory to God. But what's going to bring in this final surge of harvest? The latter rain. The latter rain. Amen? So, what, uh, what they had in the early church, we're going to have even more in the end as this final push to maximize God's harvest at the end of the age. 
God is going to plunder. He's going to take a big bite out of Satan's peeps. And he's going to redeem a mass company, I believe. Amen. In a worldwide revival before he comes. But see, we're going to make the Father wait longer if we don't take our place in prayer. Prayer has a part in this. If you want to go with me uh, to Zechariah chapter 10. Zechariah chapter 10. Now, if you don't know where that is, go back to Malachi, and it's the book before that. Mm -hmm. Amen. So, Zechariah chapter 10. Hallelujah. I want to show you the link between prayer, a prayer that plunders, amen, and the latter rain in this last day outpouring of God's Spirit. Say amen when you found it. Amen. All right. So Zechariah 10, 1 says, ask. That's prayer. Ask ye of the Lord. Ask for what? Ask for rain. Ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. So see, you can come to a prophetic place of time. Amen. But prayer still plays a role. All of these things aren't just going to happen just because God hits some sort of arbitrary time. That at the same, when God approaches that set time, He's going to be, and He is, endeavoring to stir up people to bring the necessary prayer supply. Amen. Praise God so that these, His plan can come to pass. So He said, ask for the Lord, ask the Lord for, for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds, New King James, flashing clouds, bright clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Hallelujah. And so do you see here, if he said, those that come to the time of the latter rain, I believe we're there. Then one of the things we should be praying is, Father, grant us the rain. Give us the latter rain. The harvest needs the rain. We're not asking for literal rain. We're asking for the rain that they had at Pentecost. We're asking for the rain, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. amen to be poured out. See, seeds. Amen. Uh, amen. There's a, there's a harvest out there ready to be reaped. But those people have not made their decision yet. They've not come into the kingdom yet. You may know some of them. I'm sure you do. And they, maybe they were raised in church, or, or maybe they, they know enough, but they haven't made their commitment yet. Amen. Well, what, what, what that needs, that, they need some rain on that. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And we have a responsibility to pray a prayer to help plunder the kingdom of darkness. And it's real simple. Father, we ask you for the last day outpouring. We, we believe you to pour out your spirit. Now, don't be confused in the sense, I'm not asking the Lord for a last day outpouring on me. If I want that kind of experience, I, just, I have the Holy Ghost in me and on me. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. What I need to do is stir myself up. Shandai, shandai, I tie my bow tie and just stir myself up. Amen. But for the world and for the nations that are abiding in darkness... We have to love them. They need some rain to fall. They need some power to fall. They need some miracles to see. They need some healings. Amen. They need some supernatural demonstrations to awaken them that will 
be the water at the right time on their soul, amen, that will help bring them in in these last days, praise God, as part of God's final last day harvest. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So prayers that plunder, number one, prayer that plunders, number one, is ask God for the rain. Amen. We do that, we could do that corporately and collectively, but you could do it individually. Amen. Now let's go to another one in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Hallelujah. Quickly. Amen. This is one that we've been taught about. Praise God. Matthew 9. Another prayer that will help plunder Satan and his kingdom in these last days is in Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Here the Master himself instructed his disciples to pray. He said, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray, ye the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers, into his harvest. Now let's not stumble over the simplicity of it. How easy. That doesn't take 10 seconds. Father, you're the Lord of the harvest. It's your harvest. I care about your harvest. And you said the laborers are few, and we know that's true. Anybody laboring in the church, we know that's true. Amen. And so, Father, I act on the Lord Jesus and His words, and I simply pray to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, and I ask that you would send out laborers into the harvest field of Paducah, of Kentucky, of Illinois, of the United States. Listen, God may put a nation on your heart. Amen. Father, I pray that you will send forth laborers in behind the bamboo curtain into China and send forth laborers because there's an abundant harvest to be reaped. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will send forth laborers to China to get your harvest. So whether it's there or India or just pray over the nations of the world, it doesn't take, like I said, 10, 15 seconds. And it's a prayer. Jesus wouldn't have us instruct us to pray a prayer that would have no effect. Right. Even though it's just real black and white, real simple, real short, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Mm-hmm. Well, we should do it. Amen. It's not like he asks us to do something hard. Right. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. Now, see, it's important for us to know. Let's read up after Brother Hagin on some of this today. And he said, you know, in, in people's prayer lives over the years in the body of Christ, you know, at times the body of Christ has gotten into some extremes and some ditches. And, uh, you know, but he kind of just, I don't want to take time to talk to you about that. We we don't care about the ditch. We want to know what does it look like to stay in the middle of the road uh, in a a Bible-balanced way in our prayer life. And he said the way, the Bible way to change, to affect change in a town, a city, a state, a nation is uh, the is like it's having a revival and getting a harvest for God out of a town, a city, a nation, where the nations of the world is no different than a farmer preparing, planting, and, and doing the whole process. He said you have to prepare the soil of people's hearts through prayer. But then it wouldn't matter. See, if, if Brother Jerry Miscavige and his team, they prepare the soil and that's all they do. 
And even if God rained on it, that won't matter. You also have to have someone go out and preach and teach the Word. It doesn't matter how much you intercede, how much you groan, how much you lay on the floor and suck carpet and pray in the Holy Ghost, and you should for souls to be saved. That's preparing the soil. Amen. But it won't do any good if there's not a laborer in the harvest field that will go and tell people about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Your prayer life, their heart will be prepared. It will be easier for them to receive the word. But if no one goes and tells them the word, we won't have a harvest. God will not have a harvest. We have to do it all. So we have to prepare the soil, amen, through prayer, but then we also have to go and preach and teach the Word. The only way a city is going to change is when a person allows the Word to begin to dominate their life. So let's just say you, if you will let the Word prevail in your life in a new way, everything in this city that's relative to you, amen, you're part of this city, Hallelujah. Well, then the city changes, and it's person by person, person by person. We don't have to be, you know, overly concerned about uh, warring tongues and trying to pull down principalities over cities. No, if we will prepare the people's hearts by spirit-led prayer and then go into the harvest field. Now, preachers, we need to have meetings, evangelistic crusades, outreaches, but the vast majority is going to be you and me being a witness with people we know. Do so you have to be willing to be one of these laborers? Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. But that doesn't negate the fact that praying for God to send labors in his, is a prayer that will plunder mm-hmm. the kingdom of darkness. Amen? Amen? The fourth prayer that will plunder, you can go to Matthew 12, just a couple chapters over. Did I give you? Okay, let me see. I don't want to get anybody confused. The first one is asking for the rain. Number two is praying for laborers. I'm sorry. And then this will be three. Amen. Uh, Is, praise God, what I'm about to give you, and that's bind the strong man. Amen. Bind the strong man. Let's look at something Jesus said here in Matthew 12, verse 29. Now, In the verses prior to this, Jesus had just cast the devil out of a guy. Mm -hmm. Amen. And the Pharisees actually accused Jesus of casting out Beelzebub, the name of a demon, a false god, by the king of, the prince of Beelzebub. So they actually accused Jesus of casting out a demon by the power of a greater demon. Which is, and he said this later in this chapter that that's near blasphemy you better be careful calling jesus a demon right yeah and so but let's look in verse 29 and so it says or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil or plunder his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house listen to this from the amplified How can a person go into a strong man's house and carry off his goods, the entire equipment of his house, without first binding the strong man? You know, when a robber comes in, if there's a guy home, and they're going to steal everything, I'm not going to let you steal everything out of my house. You better tie me up. You better put me down. I'm just not going to stand for that. 
I mean, I don't know Kung Fu, but I'm loaded for bear in other ways in my house. I will take care of you. Amen. And Jesus is using this as an analogy. Whose house is he talking about? He's talking about the devil's house. He's the strong man. Amen. And we're here to spoil his house. Because whatever he's got doesn't belong to him anyway. Belongs to God and his people. Praise God. But before we can do that, we've got to bind the man of the house. We've got to bind the strong man. Amen. So it says, then indeed he may plunder his house. He who is, verse 30 in the Amplified says, he who is not with me, who is not definitely on my side, is against me. Boy, there's a lot of weak, wishy-washy Christians that ought to hear that. Amen. He's really just saying, if you're not all in really with me, then you're against me. Ouch. Amen. I'm with him. (laughs) And it says, and he who does not definitely gather with me, amen, gather plundering out of Satan's kingdom, then he, he is scattering. Listen to this 29th verse in the New Living Translation. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. See, you can't break into my house and tie me up if you're not stronger than me. Because right. I'm not just going to go like this and let you do it. Right. And Satan's not going to go like this either. And say, have your healing, have the grand, have the city, have the state, have America. He's not going to do that. So to, to plunder him, we've got to be stronger than him. And guess what? I'm not outside of Christ, but I'm not outside of Christ. Jesus is stronger. He's already defeated and bound up the strong man. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And we just are here as enforcers. And we have the Lord Jesus backing us up in this. Amen. Hallelujah. So a prayer that plunders is we simply must bind the strong man. I don't, for time's sake, you know the scripture, Matthew, what is it? 18, 18, for whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. I don't really like that language. Uh, I like more modern language. Really, uh, what Jesus was saying is whatever you permit on the earth will be permitted in the spirit realm. Whatever you uh, uh, forbid from happening... On the earth, then the spirit realm will forbid that. It'll back you up in that. Amen. That's what parents need to understand. If you're okay having kids that talk back to you, God will let the spirit realm let you have that. Right? Amen. If you're okay having, you know, COVID-19 and the flu every time it comes around and, you know, and all of this stuff, well, then heaven, the spirit realm's going to let you have it. But see, I forbid that in my life. I forbid it in my life. That stuff's from Satan, and I bind him. Because I'm in Christ, because you're in Christ, we have the power to forbid. We have the power to, for, to, per, uh, to permit in His name. And so there is a, an engaging in our prayer life. Yeah, we're going to plunder. Come on, we're going to plunder the kingdom of darkness in, in a lot of areas. For instance, I'm not going to let Him possess my money, my houses, my clothes, my cars, my inheritance, my stuff. And so I say, in the name of Jesus, I forbid you from withholding and stealing my money, the stuff that belongs to me and my family, loose it and let it go in Jesus' name. Well, see, right then, now the strong man's bound. 
and I can just go in, my angels, and by faith, I can just go out and gather up that which belongs to me. What do I need? Amen. Praise God. But there's an application to this. This is our city. I said, this is our city. This is our community. This is where we live. Amen. And we're going to plunder the whatever ground, whatever occupant, you know, whatever place the devil has taken in the name of Jesus. Satan, we bind you. We command you to take your hand off our political system. We command you to take your hand off our community's economy. You, you cease and desist in all your maneuvers. See, this is a key part of praying that binds the strong man so that we can plunder his goods. Amen. You know, ahead of our um, uh, hope is here, back to church Sunday on September 19th, whoever you're praying for, obviously we're encouraging you to invite the unsaved or the backslidden people away, away from God. Well, obviously they're not thinking right. That's why you're inviting them. Because if they were thinking right and right with God, they would be in a church somewhere. They would be serving God somewhere. Amen. Well, ahead of your uh, inviting them, Bind the strong man. Amen. Don't take time to go there. I'm trying to close. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Bible says that it's Satan who is the God little g of this world. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the gospel. Mm-hmm. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So there's a, the, the, the devil, he blinds people's eyes. He doesn't want them to see what you see. They, they, who would deny Jesus if they actually saw Jesus for who he really is? Amen, how wonderful God is. So before we go witnessing to folks, now Satan, in the name of Jesus, you're the one who's blinded my neighbor. And I love and care about my neighbor. And in the name of Jesus... I bind you, and I command that scale of blindness, that deception to be broken, the powers of hell to be broken off the mind and the life and the heart of my neighbor, and put, your, put the name on there, in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, now he's bound, and now you can go bring light. See, it's the prayer and the witnessing and the word working together. This is why... God is endeavoring to raise up a movement of word and spirit churches. Not just churches that preach the word, but don't want anything about the move of the Holy Ghost. And not just people who want experiences, but they're not grounded in the word. The word and the spirit working together. And Brother Hagin said, this is how you affect change and revival in cities, in nations. What did I give you, just three points? But these are three simple things that we can do that will plunder. We can plunder. Amen. Amen. And affect change in our cities, in our states, and in the nations of the earth. Amen. I'm sure there's more, but that was about right. We're about out of time. (laughs) Amen. 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 Well, stand up on your feet tonight.